What's up, y'all? Welcome into Talking SEC. I am your host, Philip Jordan, from Last World on College Football and 96.9 Legend out in Dothan, Alabama. And thanks for checking out the show and making it a part of your day. Got a good podcast for you guys today. We're going to be talking Florida Gators football with David Waters from Gators Breakdown. We're going to be looking at all things Gators, look back at 2019, look ahead to 2020, look at the roster going ahead for next season. It's never too early to start talking about these things, continuing our all-season discussion about teams in the SEC. So I hope you guys would love this conversation me and David had. We talked about 35 minutes, so a lot of good stuff in our conversation uh, this week here on the podcast. Before I get to our conversation, uh, let you guys know you can find me in the podcast. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at P. Jordan SEC. You can find a podcast on Facebook and Twitter at Talking SEC Pod. Of course, you can find a podcast on Apple Podcasts and all your favorite podcast platforms. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review. It means a lot if you leave a review for the show. If you leave a review, I will read it on a future edition of the podcast. Of course, you can check out all my work over at Last Word on College Football as well. And if you have a question, you can hit me on social media or you can put a question in the reviews. That's another thing on our podcast you can do to if you have a question you want to ask me or a guest. And also you can email me at sportstalkphilipjordan at gmail.com. Everybody joining me this week on the podcast. I'm joined by David Waters, Gators Breakdown host. And uh, David, uh, once again, appreciate you coming on the podcast. I want to talk to Florida Gators. Yeah, always a good time, Philip. Yeah, I mean, you were talking about uh, off the air there before we got recording here. Kind of worry about when you do a, a football on the show when the season's over with. What are you going to talk about? Uh, all these all these teams, I think SEC are giving us plenty to talk about. You know, the Gators have a lot of stuff to talk about, but all overall college football, it's just you're always going to have something to talk about. So that worry is it was kind of mute very early uh, here in the off season. Yeah, I, uh, Philip, I have the 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 moniker we come up with on Gators Breakdown is there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation, and it, and it holds true, man. There's always always so much to talk about. Florida's just kind of one of those polarizing programs to where whether it be recruiting, whether it be the season, whether it be you know, unfortunately sometimes off field news, uh, positively or negatively, uh, you know, it happens sometimes, and uh, so you know, there's always something to talk about. But as you said, uh, like you say, me and you. you you and I were talking about it before we come on and the NFL is structured to where, you know, they have these events every month. Mm -hmm. So if you're following an NFL team and having a podcast or having to write about those teams, it's, it's, it's tailor made for you to have topics to talk about every month. And college football is kind of getting that way uh, a little bit, you know, starting in uh, July, August, you got a lot of preseason stuff uh, getting ready for the season. Then the season kind of takes care of itself. Then you have signing day in December. You still get to talk about signing day, December, January, February, then spring practice starts to roll around and in preseason magazines. So there it's a little bit, there's a little bit of structure for college football, not as much as there is in the NFL. But as you said, being located in the South, being in the SEC, where uh, football's on the front of everybody's mind, there's usually a lot to talk about. Yeah, well, I mean, when I was doing both college and the NFL podcast, while I was one show talking about both, you're right. I mean, with the NFL, 
you had the combine, which that kind of jumps into college football too, because that's a mixture yeah. of the two things because it's draft related. That's what I love about the draft. If you want to do either one, pro football, college, or you do them both, it's a, an event that brings both fan bases together. But then you have free agency and stuff like that. But so like college football now is getting there is getting like that as well. But uh, you know, before we kind of jump into as we're going to look forward, uh, let's look back for a second though, and that's kind of what i've been doing my guesses last few weeks kind of looking back at the season that we just went through in 2019 you know great year really good year for the florida gators 11 and 2 6 and 2 finished second in sec east that's an uptick from last season the previous season 2018 Dan Mullen's first year where he went 10 and 3 5 and 3 the two losses look were both to LSU and Georgia. I mean, both stung, both were tough losses. But when you look at that resume from 19 and the fact that Dan Mullen is 21-5 and five in his first two seasons, I know coming out of year two, there's got to be a lot of optimism right now in Gainesville. Yeah, there, yeah, Phil, absolutely. There is a lot of optimism. Gator Nation's happy there, and um, like you said, the, the two losses, no shame in those two games. Losing those two games there to LSU and Georgia, the two teams that represented the SEC in the SEC championship game, and Florida was in both of those games as well. You know, those were fourth quarter games against two of the nation's best teams there, and you went toe to toe with with LSU for four and a half quarter or three and a half quarters there. That game was a, a tight game until um, you know Travis was interception late in the end zone there and uh but still had a chance to go to drive and get stopped at the goal line uh and lsu scores right after that and puts the game away wins by two touchdowns but it was a closer game than the, than the two touchdown score uh, indicated florida held the lead later than anybody else versus lsu this season they had a lay lead in in the third quarter uh late in the third mid, mid third quarter so nobody else led that late uh versus lsu so you know uh, look, look there's no there's no um, moral victories in, in college football, but when you look at how dominant LSU was this season, that's a feather uh, in, in the cap. There, Auburn played LSU really tough. Florida played LSU really tough. You know, teams that you know, as we said, didn't really live up to winning the SEC East, didn't live up to winning the SEC West. But you know, you, feathers in those teams' caps for being able to to, to stay. Uh, you know, tooth and nail uh, with LSU, and then you you look at the Georgia game and, and Florida Georgia game. It was a a seven point victory for for Georgia, but uh, Florida was you know, fighting tooth and nail, coming back, uh, couldn't really get anything going on offense the first three quarters of the game, but fi- found a groove late in that game. Um, Todd Grantham's defense. Couldn't stop Georgia on third down. So, look, I mean, Florida fans are, are good. Jake Fromm <laughs> is leaving. <laughs> he killed Florida's defense the last two years. Todd Grantham's defense the last three years, uh, dating back to their last year at Mississippi State. But, uh, yeah, two losses there on, on the season against two of the nation's best teams, the SEC's bet, two best teams. And um, you know, th- things are definitely uh, looking up uh, in Gainesville. I was gonna say this. I still feel this way at the Georgia game. Florida got a little screwed early in that game. I'm still. I, I, I know. I think me and you have talked since then. I just yeah. wanted to say that. And, and with that game, looking back at it, so hey, that was how close Florida uh, could have been to playing yeah. LSU once again in in Atlanta. So I just you know just want to throw that little bit out there. But and it's you know correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't. Dan Mullen say, and if he didn't say this, I heard somebody else says, please correct me if you if you do know who said it. But I think he said something along the lines: it's easier to go from four wins to eleven wins than it is to go to eleven to twelve wins. So I mean, that's really what Florida's now. That's got to be the next step, right? I mean, you 
got two back-to-back 10-win seasons. You got to 11 wins in 2019. So now, for what, what in your opinion, does Florida need to do to get over that hump and to get past Georgia and get to Atlanta? Uh, I just jokingly said it, but it's good – it really is good. Jake Fromm's gone because <laughs> he, <laughs> he 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 did kill Todd Grantham's defenses the, the the last three years. His freshman season, his sophomore season, his junior season. Uh, Florida couldn't in the last two years. Philip, no turnovers versus Georgia and only one sack. So Jake Fromm knew how to attack a Todd Grantham defense. It didn't matter to the offensive coordinator at Georgia. They knew how to attack this Todd Grantham defense. So um, Jake Fromm didn't have the best season, but still had a really good game uh, versus the Gators. And look, I I know Florida was limited a a bit. Jabari Zuniga was never really 100% this season once he got injured versus Kentucky early in the season. Jonathan Grenard was injured uh, early in that game as well. But for for a team that was known for creating pressure all season long, for two years in a row for, uh, under Todd Grantham, not able to get pressure on, on from. Look, I know Georgia's recruited their offensive line very well uh, there, but you, you, for what you're known as, as an attacking defense, one that gets to the quarterback, they failed to do that the last two years. So with Georgia losing so much this past year along the offensive line, Jake Fromm, DeAndre Swift, the bevy of receivers as well, this is the year for, for, for Florida to, to strike. You have a lot coming back. You have a quarter back coming back you return an offensive line yes you lose some receivers but you have a lot of production returning there as well and we got to go to the defense because that's where to me the game has really been lost uh the last couple of years is is not necessarily being able to to, to stop georgia you 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 lose Zuniga, you lose Grenard, so you're going to have to figure out some pieces there. You need to figure out some pieces in the secondary as well. But a lot of good young talent returning. Marco Wilson's going to return as well. Kyrie Elam on the other side uh, at cornerback. So it, it sets up this year. I know we'll get into it later, Philip, as we look, in the, look into the, the season and schedule next year. But it really sets up for Florida because of what Georgia loses. And Georgia's recruited so well. But Florida has shr- Florida shrinking that gap by by recruiting better as well. But Georgia loses so much talent, so much experienced talent, and with what Florida has coming back, and you see it in a lot of the early preseason polls or, or rankings that are coming out from various publications that they're pretty split on Florida Georgia representing the SEC East. Yeah, and you mentioned bringing a quarterback back. Now you're talking about Kyle Trask and. Look, when you look at him, I mean, he probably, for a lot of people that will put out top five or top ten quarterback rankings for SEC going next year, I mean, you got to think he's going to be up there at the top one or two. And for him, when you really think about he went into 2019 as one of the most inexperienced quarterbacks in the conference. And just once a year, he is going to be one of the most experienced quarterbacks in the conference behind Kellamont and surprisingly Bo Nix who started all the games, Kyle Trask is right there behind him. I guess SEC starts with, I know Jamie Newman at Georgia, he started at Wake Forest. But after that, it's got to be Helensky at South Carolina. So that's that's an interesting thing now, because that was a big storyline with Trask when he finally, when he got the start for Florida. You know, last time he had started was his freshman year in high school. So going from then to now, it's an, it's an incredible turnaround within a year. Absolutely. And, you know, not to discount you know, just starts, but when he came in for an injured Felipe Franks in that Kentucky game and had to lead a comeback there uh, late in that game, it really spoke to Dan Mullen and, and having multiple quarterbacks ready to go and really speaks a lot to Kyle Trask for, you know, just 
keeping his head in the game. It, it would have been easy for him to transfer. It would have been easy for him to just kind of check out, oh, I'm not the starter. I don't need to prepare like a starter. But there he is, you know, leading Florida to a comeback victory versus Kentucky and then getting his first start versus Tennessee in the swamp and and, and destroying basically, and, you know, destroying Tennessee by 30 points and then going to the road on Baton Rouge and going toe-to-toe with Joe Burrow for three and a half quarters. And there, you know, one of his best performances of the season was against, you know, the national champions. And then he didn't have the best game uh, against Georgia but was able to rally in the fourth quarter and put Florida in position uh, to, to make a defensive stop late that didn't happen. But, you know, he put the team in position there and it went on a string there toward the late end of the season ended by, you know, uh, uh, destroying FSU as well where he was throwing for well over 300 yards a game and, and, and stats we hadn't seen since Rex Grossman was back for the Gators. So Kyle Trask and, and, and part of it was because Florida had no go back and look at it. could not run the ball so the offense was on his shoulders the offense was on his shoulders to get the ball to Van Jefferson to get the ball to Kyle Pitts and, and make plays happen in the passing game and he was able to do it without a lot of starting experience able to go in there and lead the Gators to 11 victories so yeah, really kudos to him. I, I was one of those. You know, the Gator fans had. Uh, there was a contingent of Gator fans who've been who've been caught, you know, crying for Kyle Trask to, to to go get a chance, and they really wasn't sold on Felipe Franks. And look, I, I wasn't one of those. I, I thought you know the, the better quarterback was playing. Um, you know, Felipe Franks did some things well. He could he could run the ball a bit more with his legs, more so than Kyle Trask. But Kyle Trask comes in, and the offense does get better and, and gets an uptick there. And you know, part of it was that they had a shift in focus. As I said, they couldn't really run the ball. Uh, so they shifted focus and, and, and relied on those uh, receivers there that went so deep with Van Jefferson, Kyle Pitts, Freddie Swain, Tyree Cleveland, Josh Hammond, and, and all the, the the bevy of receivers that he had. So, um, you know, kudos to him for and, and this coaching staff for just being able to – it didn't go your way. You had a lot of injuries to deal with but still finding a way to win 11 games. And that was really in due to part to Kyle Trask playing so well. Absolutely. I mean, look at his completion percentage, 67%. I mean, that's an incredible completion percentage. That's close to what you see a lot of your top NFL guys. That's something I always look at, completion percentage. That's why Joe Burrow, what he did this past year was so amazing to me. You don't want to see quarterbacks jump up from being like a 58% passer to a 76% passer. But with that, that shows that Kyle Trask is, you know, he puts the ball where he has to put it. Now, talking about another quarterback on the roster, though, Emory Jones. Now, I'm sure going in, you know, Kyle Trask, he's the number one quarterback there. But is there any pressure on him from Emory Jones, you think, going into the spring, going into the fall, the Emory Jones? Because, look, he plays a lot in Florida games. He comes in to have a package for him. He always plays well. He's shown he can throw the ball as well. Do you see uh, any him putting any pressure on Kyle Trask? I hope he does. Uh, I think that's the best best case scenario uh, for, for for this Gator team. And look, he was the, he was the quarterback Dan Mullen recruited. This was the guy who um, Dan Mullen comes in his first season. Uh, Matt Corral was committed to the Gators. Uh, it, you know that didn't stick around. It wasn't really a fit for what Dan Mullen wanted to do. Dan Mullen needed to go out and, and get another quarterback, and uh, went and got Emory Jones, uh, who was committed to Ohio State at one point. So. You know, he, yes, he is the quarterback that probably has the bigger upside uh, there, especially, you know, the, the physical attributes you look for in a Dan Mullen offense. He's able to run the ball. He's, he's got a big arm. He's got the ball down the field uh, there. But, you know, 
Philip, you know, just as good as I do, it's just not all about the physical abilities uh, of a player out there to go and, and make something happen at quarterback. Can you make the right checks? Do you know the playbook? Can you, uh, in crunch time, and clutch time, can you be trusted to go out there and, and make the plays? And that's just things we don't really know yet uh, about Emory Jones. And we've seen Kyle Trask in, in that scenario. And I think a lot of people were surprised when Felipe Franks went down, that it was Kyle Trask who trotted out there and was able to lead the team uh, in a comeback victory and, and what he was able to do the rest of the season. And that it wasn't Emory Jones, that it wasn't Emory Jones leading this offense and, and doing that. So the yeah, the best case scenario is he he takes the, this offseason, he takes the spring uh, coming up, and he does push Kyle Trask and, and, and pushes for some playing time. I think both play next year. I think Kyle Trask, if you want to, you know, label starter, I, I think he'll be the starter. But I do think Jimmy Jones gets a lot of playing time next year as he gets in. You know, there's really no benefit in transferring. Everybody's like, oh, if he doesn't get the job, will he transfer? Look, Kyle Trask is going to be gone this year. If mm-hmm. you transfer, you're going to have to sit out a year anyway. So why not just stay at Florida, get one more year, year of experience in the system, no matter how it is, if you're starting or if you're not starting, get this, get another year of experience, and then next year should be your year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, unless your name's Justin Fields and you just get your way, <laughs> right? Uh, that's, that's a different topic for another podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're talking about transfers, of course, Felipe Franks, he's going to Arkansas now. And look, my honest opinion on this is he's a stopgap quarterback at Arkansas. They need somebody yeah. there to be the quarterback. Look, Felipe Franks has got all the physical abilities. He showed it at times there at Florida. What he can do that. At the end of the first year under Dan Mullen, he thought, okay, Felipe Franks looked like he turned the corner. But then when he did play beginning of last year, it looked like he kind of reverted back to some old traits that Franks had before. But with him, what's the feeling with, among the Florida fans with Felipe Franks and him headed to Arkansas, you know, for next season? And, you know, just what's their feeling toward Franks? Uh, the, the feeling's good. Uh, we know we had to. We went through it last year with him going down and and having to cover that situation. Look, he was always around the team. He he cared. Uh, he prepared. Uh, he did everything he was supposed to do to be a quarterback at Florida, a quarterback in the SEC. And look, yeah, you're right. He didn't have the best game against Miami opening up the season. Made some plays. Didn't uh, do some costly interceptions there, but didn't cost him there. But uh, didn't cost him a victory uh, there. But yeah, and then as I said, Florida doesn't win the Kentucky game if Felipe Franks is continuing to play out there. Uh, but also think, as I mentioned earlier in the, the podcast, Philip, is that you know I think Florida found themselves a little bit when they had to go to Kyle Trask and rely on his arm a bit more. I do think they were still trying to figure out the offense early on in the season with Franks. And I think they stuck with the run game a bit too long. I, 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 I still have a tendency to believe if they would maybe have abandoned the run game earlier and don't get me wrong, there's no reason to, cause it was still early in the season. I think they were still trying to figure out the offense, but with Felipe Franks, and, and they were still trying to run the ball on first down and second down, and Felipe Franks had to go out there and, and face a third and seven, a third and eight, and having to go out there and make a play on that. Uh, they started letting Kyle Trask throw more on first downs later in the season, second down, because you know, the run game just wasn't working. So I think that was something Franks had to deal with more so than Trask. But you know, to, to the point, 
He's a big arm quarterback. He's got a cannon, got a rocket for an arm, um, has experience in the SEC. But one thing Arkansas is going to have to do, and, and one that thing that helped him the most at, at Florida was letting him get physical, let him go out there and, and take a hit, let him run around a little bit, that, and let him play with a chip on the shoulder, let him get physical, because that, that really seemed to wake him up uh, his first season uh, under Dan Mullen back in 2018. So if, if Arkansas is going to have some success with Felipe Franks, they're going to have to cater to his play style, his big body a little bit, and let him go out there and, and run. He's not going to—he's not this dynamic runner. But if you need third and two to be converted with a quarterback in his legs, Felipe Franks is a, is a guy that can do that. But they're going to get a guy who's passionate, a guy who will do everything you know behind the scenes that he needs to do to be a quarterback. Yeah, and you know, for Arkansas and under first year coach Sam Pitt, it's, you have to feel like it's going to be a long year for them because just looking at the, the teams ahead of them in the SEC West, I mean, of course, Alabama, and this is in no particular order of my predictions or anything for next year, but Alabama, LSU, Auburn, A&M, you got to feel like those are your four best teams going into next season. Then you have to wonder, can Arkansas jump the Mississippi schools? That's the, that's the story. That, I think that's the yeah. question you have to ask. Can they jump over Mississippi State? And can they jump over Ole Miss if they can? Okay, they're probably a bowl team, but I have a hard time seeing them doing that with the coaches those two schools are just brought in. Just it's and I kind of it makes you feel bad for Frank's a little bit going to that school that could be a tough situation. But like I said, you know he is a tough. You know it seems like you know from the interviews I've seen, really good kid. So uh, you gotta hope all the best from going over there uh, with Arkansas and they're getting a talented quarterback. So we'll see how that that shakes out. But for Florida. Now, let's look at the playmakers for next season. <laughs> yeah, the receiver position for Florida, I mean, I guess there was a max ex- exodus of, uh, of of talent uh, coming out of there. And I think, honestly, okay, you had Van Jefferson, Freddie Swain, which, you know, as a guy that covers Auburn and likes Auburn, I'd like <laughs> to see him gone. Uh, Josh Hammond, even though Auburn don't play him next year, I wish he had been right. on the year before. Maybe he could have been on the <laughs> year before. But uh, Josh Hammond, Tyree Cleveland, all them guys are gone. You know, honestly, all those, are, and I know Florida's got some really talented players uh, coming in at receiver. Kendaria Tony still there. You have Tidy and Kyle Pitt. So I have a feeling after next season, when he goes into the 2021 draft, he's going to be a high pick because he has the talent to be a tremendous NFL tight end, I think. But the, the receiving option, I think that could end up is one I look at the most is LaMichael Pirine. What he brought to this team mm-hmm. coming out of the backfield as a receiver, he had that big game in the Orange Bowl against Virginia, not just running the ball. I think he averaged over 10 yards per run, but also what he was doing as a pass catcher. That really was an aspect of his game I think he improved on in his final year at Florida. So, you know, for you, you know, Pirine, all these guys leaving, what's your feeling on the playmakers Florida will have around Kyle Trask next season? Yeah, if we start with the running game quickly, you know, Damian Pierce will be the one to replace LaMichael Piran, and, and he's not as versatile. He might be a better running back than LaMichael Piran, but, but as far as a, a better playmaker, a better utility guy, that, that, that's LaMichael Piran. And we saw that last year at the Peach Bowl versus Michigan. You know, they had these weeks to prepare for Michigan and, and Jim Harbaugh uh, defense there. And LaMichael Piran's out there as a receiver catching tunnel screens for touchdowns, something we hadn't seen all season uh, in Dan Mullen's first season. And I was like, okay, well, I didn't, didn't know LaMichael Piran had that in him. So we, get, we go through an 
off season. And I talked to him about that at SEC media days. And he was like, yeah, he said it was something we installed there. And I think, I think we found something. So, and this is exactly what we saw during the season as well. And then the Florida run game was struggling, but LaMichael Piran still out there catching about 40 balls uh, out of the backfield as a receiver as well. So you know, kind of a, a surprise there that we didn't necessarily know LaMichael Piran uh, had in him. And look, he was also a, a really instrumental in pass blocking as well. So Florida's going to lose a lot there in, in LaMichael Piran and the uh, the all-around uh, player that he was. But kind of going back to your point of, of playmakers at receiver, you know, all the 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 production you le- you le- you lose uh, there, yeah. But you still you, you still have Trevon Grimes coming back. You have Kyle Pitts coming back, as you said, Kadarius Tony as well. So while all those guys left, it was see what Van Jefferson, Freddie Swain, Josh Hammond, Tyree Cleveland. Those four, you're still turning returning almost half of the receiving yards uh, from from this past season as well. So. There will be some new faces there. You got you talented. This would be his third year now, but but red shirt uh, in, in his first year. But so um, you'll have Jacob Copeland re- returning, who is just kind of waiting to to, to be that next star uh, receiver. But yeah, you know, I thought I really think it was instrumental in Trevon Grimes coming back. He'll be the number one receiver if you want to label uh, a receiver a number one receiver in, in, in Dan Mullen's offense. They sp- spread the ball around so much. Uh, but part of it was because they had so many options. So it is interesting. It will be inter- interesting to see how much it's still spread around between Javon Grimes, Kadarius Tony, and Kyle Pitts, who's just a mismatch waiting to happen uh, every time he steps out on the field. And you know they can line him up inside and then motion him out, and he'll have a linebacker on him where you can forget about that. Or he will line up out wide, and you'll put a cornerback, and he'll just – you know, push him, push him around, and, and make a catch. Uh, so it, it'll really be for receiver what young guys step up. You had some guys redshirt last year: Trent Whittemore, Jamarcus Weston, who the coaches really, really liked as a recruit. He wasn't really heralded, didn't camp a lot, but the coaches really liked uh, him as a recruit. And Deontay Marks, but then some talented freshmen coming in too. With C.J. Henderson's little brother Xavier Henderson uh, will be uh, on campus in the fall. Jaquavion Frazier's as well, who's uh, one of the top receivers in the country. So. You know, Florida will they'll have to figure some things out by losing so many guys, but there's still you know about half of that production returning. Yeah, you know, when we look at the defense, and I was looking at the numbers, you know, when you look at Florida had a, a tremendous defense this past season, number two in scoring defense, number two in yards allowed in the SEC, and then you look at the sacks, 46 sacks, they led the SEC in sacks, and I know they lose their leading sack guy from last year, Jonathan Grenard. With nine and a half, you know David Reese the second. I had to make sure I, I mentioned the right David Reese there. Cause I know there's two of them <laughs> on Florida, and then quarterback C.J. Henderson leaving early. But when you really when you look at Florida, who, who they've got coming back, and I was going to name a few guys. You know Kyrie Campbell at, on the defense line. They've got the transfer from Georgia and Brenton Cox at linebacker. You mentioned Marco Wilson coming back. So this team is, I think, and with the recruiting class coming in, one of the best recruit top ten recruiting class in the country. According to twenty four seven sports. So when you look at this defense for Coach Todd Grantham, they've got a pretty solid crew coming back that can continue what they were doing this past season. Yeah, you got as you mentioned, you got to replace you know Jabari Zuniga and Jonathan Grenard, guys who were very instrumental in getting you almost fifty sacks on the year. I mean, <laughs> it was crazy. What I mean, they open, you go back and everybody watched the first game of the season against Miami, and Florida had ten sacks in the opener, and then they book in the season. Philip, I had eight sacks versus Florida State. So between Miami and Florida State, eighteen sacks there. But as I, I said, to be a quarterback. It was, oh man. <laughs> 
But you know, it was that stretch in the middle of the season. They didn't have one sack versus Joe Burrow, and I go back to the Georgia game. They didn't have one sack versus uh, Jake Fromm either. So it's the kind of situational defense that needs to get better uh, there. You know, as I say, as you mentioned, you just said, you know, this is a team that's known for sacks, but they got to be known for sacks in the bigger games. That's that's where it's got to come come about there. So as you mentioned, Britton Cox comes in, the five star transfer from Georgia. Uh, he transferred to Florida last August. They tried to get him in for last season, but it didn't nearly uh, work out. And well, he may have been the player they could have used because even with, you know, close to 50 sacks, as I mentioned, Grenard and Zuniga were both injured at times uh, last year. So if you could have had a five-star like Britton Cox waiting in the wings to be able to come out there and, and get something done uh, to help when those guys were injured, then maybe you get a key sack versus Burrow and he fumbles or, or Jake Fromm in the same situation happens. And that, that's the play that turns the tide of those games. So you're looking for things like that. You, we, we, Philip and I just kind of said this recently in my podcast too. Maybe I'm nitpicking, but when, when you're when – you're, 10 wins one year and 11 wins the next year, you get a chance to nitpick because, you know, it's those little things that's going to start adding up that you really have to you know get over the hump with. So almost 50 sacks, but they got to get better in big games. So, yeah, they'll look at players like Brenton Cox and Jeremiah Moon and Zachary Carter, to, uh, especially Moon and Carter, who've been around the program, and now it's their time to step up. This is their time to shine. But you have young guys like Mamou Diabate, who was a true freshman who really shined at times last year, especially in the Vanderbilt game last year. I believe he had three sacks in that game, if I remember correctly. So you know, there's young guys waiting in the wings as well to, 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 to help out Brenton Cox, who, you know, transfer from Georgia I'm sure he's going to have a chip on his shoulder when uh, when the season starts and when we roll around the October and Halloween weekend and going against <laughs> Georgia there so yeah I'm sure he can't wait to, to, to get on that to get on the field at, at that point but you know, Florida did a really good job against the run um about halfway through the season, they had the uh, stretch versus LSU in South Carolina where they they really struggled. But for the rest of the season, the rush defense was really good. Lights out. They they held DeAndre Swift uh, versus Georgia. They didn't let him go crazy. And that was part of being able to stay in that game. They didn't let DeAndre Swift uh, go crazy like so many other times he did this season. So, I mean, a lot of returning experience there. Kyrie Campbell, they'll get Elijah Conliffe, who missed last season, uh, dealing with concussion protocol early in the season. He never came back uh, for the Gators. They'll get him back. Some proven depth there to Daryl Slayton, Marlon Dunlap. So, and then big, big five-star recruit, Gervin Dexter, who I think will fit right in uh, in the rotation along this defensive line as, you know, defensive tackle, strong side defensive end. Uh, really, really, really look forward to, to him as uh, it was Dan Mullen. There's, there's five stars on the roster, Philip, but he was Dan Mullen's first five-star recruit. <laughs> so, uh yeah, we get Gator fans happy to get that five star recruit, but uh, you know, lately within the last since last August, you know, three five stars have come in for the Gators and, for, through the transfer portal. You had Brenton Cox through Georgia, Lorenzo Lingard running back from Miami, and then recently Justin Shorter, the uh, five star receiver from from Penn State. But Gervin Dexter, the first five star recruit under Dan Mullen. Yeah, they uh, they're getting in. Hey, look, he wasn't used to them five stars from Mississippi State, but that's the thing I right. always thought what was great about Dan Mullen, and I always said this while when he was at Mississippi State, there was a time I think before Kirby got to Georgia, I, I believed that Dan Mullen was the second best coach in the conference behind Nick Saban when he was at Mississippi State. A reason for that was just look at what he does with his talent. He was getting 
three stars there at Mississippi State. But by the time they were leaving, there's a lot of guys that would have been five stars when they left. The The fact that he's able to develop talent. So now he starts bringing in these five stars. He's going to develop them guys into, if there was a such thing as a six star, he would turn them into that and prepare them for when they get to the next level of NFL. So what he does and what he's able to do on the development side of things is just tremendous. So yeah, I, I'm seeing big things in Florida. And then I guess that's going to lead us into our last thing here looking at the 2020 schedule and i'm looking at it right now in front of me and i look at this schedule. there's not a game on that schedule you can look at and say florida no all these games are winnable i mean i know i feels like now we're getting a hot train on tennessee because the way they finish the season they have old miss in their crossover outside of the, the lsu game auburn was last year of course you end the year with florida state obviously i know and as you mentioned earlier the big game is georgia but i look at this schedule you get past Georgia, it's there for Florida to, I'm going to say it, go undefeated and get to Atlanta. I mean, Phil, you look at it right now. You don't. You, you mentioned you know, Tennessee, uh, a program on the rise, but still you know, what beating Tennessee once since Ron Zook wasn't the head coach at Florida. Since <laughs> Urban Myers started, Tennessee has only beaten Florida once uh, there. So, uh, and look, you get LSU at home. Uh, and you'll have the, the game in Jacksonville versus Georgia. I mean, you can make a case right now, Philip. Florida would be favored in every game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, since you get LSU at home, that might be enough to you know to swing that game. If you were betting right now, Florida might be the betting favorite uh, for you know, the two teams that look pretty even right now with everything LSU is losing on the field player and coach-wise, and then Georgia, everything they're losing player and, and coach-wise. So you know, right now, you know, those two teams have come back to the pack a little bit, and Florida's schedule, as you said, it sets up easy. I mean, you open up against Eastern Washington. You don't have a opener like you did against Miami last year. Kentucky's, you know, given Florida some some uh, recent uh, scares and, and a loss two years ago. Uh, so that game is probably one to be to be circled that, that second game of the season. But you, know, you you get them at home. But you know, that's something Dan Mullen can point to because that was his first loss uh, two mm-hmm. years ago at, at home to Kentucky. So I'm sure that game will be circled uh, a bit. But yeah, you look at this Gator schedule and you can make a case right now. As we are sitting here late January, that Florida should be favored in every game uh, they're going to play in next year. And as you said, it, it sets up a 12 and 0, 11 and 1 scenario where you probably should be in Atlanta uh, in December. That's going to be the goal. That should be the goal. That should be the expectation. You shouldn't shy away from that uh, if you're a Gator fan, if you're a Gator player, if you're a Gator coach. Looking at the schedule, looking at what you have coming back, looking at you know the teams and everything that happened to those teams around you. And uh, FSU is going through a coaching change. Uh, LSU, uh, Ole Miss is going through a coaching change. Uh, Georgia and LSU are having to change, change coordinators. So you know a lot of things are happening there for uh, Missouri, uh, another team with a with a head coaching change. So it really is setting up. Uh, for Florida to make 2020 a run for Atlanta. I got to think, because, you know, they put out these articles and stuff about, you know, over-unders, you know, win total on SEC teams. And I'm just going to throw a number out for Florida, what I think you could see of the betting line being, I got to say, 10 and a half. It's got to yep. be at That's that exactly point. That's what I was thinking. Point for me, you know, because like you said, some, the Georgia game, and perhaps LSU, who knows what LSU is going to be about uh, yeah. the, the next season with all the new players that are going to come in and step up for all that stuff for LSU is going to be a big transition year for them. So I think that's going to be an interesting thing for Florida. And I was looking at the schedule. Like this team is a national title contender just from the talent they got coming in and looking at that schedule. Because I think a lot of times when it comes to a team 
competing for a national title. It's not always about how talented you are. There's a lot of teams yeah. that are talented. It's also how your schedule lines up when you play certain teams. And there, there's not a, a point on this schedule either when you look at it where they're playing two national powers back yeah. to back. And that's a big deal too. So, right. Yeah, last year you had Auburn, you know, Florida had Auburn and LSU back to back. You knew that was going to be tough. This year, Tennessee, South Carolina, LSU, Ole Miss, Georgia. You know, that game, their games are in a row, but as you said, there's not really back to back there. Uh, and you get on the off week before Georgia as well. But as you said, mentioning schedule, Philip. Georgia has to play Alabama and Auburn next year, mm-hmm. and they have to Georgia and Alabama are early is early in the season, third week of the season. So, you know, I mean, Florida has to beat Georgia. Don't get me wrong, but there is even a chance where Florida could lose to Georgia and still be the team to represent the East just because of Georgia's West schedule, having to play Alabama and Auburn. And check this out, and I, this is just weird being able to say this: Georgia could have two losses when they play Florida because they have yeah. to play Auburn. In right. early October, which that is weird. I don't like it, but it is what it is. <laughs> but Auburn plays hey, Georgia hey, early. As a Gator fan, I do like it because that means it's a tough game before they get to Florida. So <laughs> we go. always had to we had we had to play LSU, you know, weeks before, you know, a couple weeks before we had to play Georgia. So it it, it would be nice for for Georgia to have uh, one of those big tough games uh, against a West opponent before uh, beforehand. But I get it. The, yeah, the tradition of it uh, that game is in November, but. Uh, it will be it, it will be interesting to, to, to kind of see there uh, the change in that because I do believe now it's Georgia and Tennessee that play later in the season. So, well, and I close on this note because I probably have kept you way too long. You know what I probably told you what I would we would be doing this, but <laughs> I will say this: Yes, Auburn finally got the wish. Georgia got moved out of November. Fantastic. So now you just end the season against LSU and Alabama back to back week. So uh, it's one of them things that was weird. Yeah. Be careful what you wish for. Yeah. I, I think they're worse. I think they're worse off because of it. Simple fact, because at least with the George Alabama deal, they had a week between the two. No, you're playing yeah. LSU and Alabama back to back week. So uh, be careful <sighs> what you wish for. You might just get it. And uh, Dave, I just want to say I appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's been fun talking. I think we kind of jumped into other SEC topics while we were doing this happens, uh, this week, but it's all good. And uh, as always, appreciate you coming on the show. And if listeners want to find you online, where can they find you? And uh, where can they find the Gators Breakdown podcast? They can find Gators Breakdown at news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown or on uh, any podcast platform out there. Uh, you can find Gators Breakdown. And plus, uh, you can find me, David Waters, on Twitter twitter at gator dave underscore sec all right sounds good and uh, once again david i appreciate you coming on the show and i look forward to talking to you again sometime down the road thanks Philip. all right that's going to do it for this edition of talking sec uh once again thanks to uh david for coming on the podcast appreciate him taking the time out talking all things florida gators on the show today had a lot of fun doing that and make sure to check out the gators breakdown podcast he does a great job uh, giving you all the latest on the Florida Gators over there. So go in and do that and give him a follow on Twitter as well. Now, normally it's just a once-a-week deal since we're in all-season and everything going on there. Friday, another podcast would drop. It's going to be a different format for that episode it's really not going to be as much as a talking SEC episode as a talking sports episode. There's something I may do from time to time here on a podcast. Just talk about overall sports headlines. We're going to talk some Georgia football on the show Friday, so there won't be 
no SEC talk that or because I, I want to talk some Jake Fromm draft prospects with my guests. I'm going to have you let you guys wait for that. But uh, we have the Super Bowl coming up. We may talk about that. And uh, there's some other sports stuff I want to talk about. I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't want to get into it right here now. But that's probably something that may be coming into the feed on Friday. So if you see it, don't don't unsubscribe to the podcast. Please don't do that. It's not something that's going to happen on a regular basis, but I do follow other sports, not just college football. So occasionally I may want to deviate maybe from the from the norm, uh, do something a little different. I may just put in the title of the episode just talking sports or something different. So you guys know what that is. That's not a normal talking SEC episode. It's something different, different topics, uh, more wide-ranging conversation when it comes to the sports world. But be back next week also with another episode talking all things SEC college football. So don't be alarmed. And uh, that's what we got coming up. But uh, please check it out. Uh, like I said, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at PJordanSEC. And follow the uh, Facebook, Twitter page at TalkingSECPod as well. Anyways, guys, until next time, bye-bye.